It's one thing to have the strength to walk away, but it's another to have the strength to go after and pursue your healing. I mean, well, what do I know? But what would you say were some red flags or some signs like this relationship is not serving me? And looking back at it now, you can say that, but you may not have recognized it when you were in it. You know, what are some signs? Well, you know, my case might be a little unique because I can acknowledge that I was aware of every red flag. This is But What Do I Know podcast with Chid Suzanne, a space for learning, for healing, and for laughter. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the But What Do I Know podcast. I'm your host, Chit Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode. So before we get right into things, if this is your first time tuning in and hearing the sound of my voice, thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you enjoy this episode, make sure that you are liking, subscribing, commenting, either on our Instagram page at BWDIK podcast or on whatever platform it is that you are listening to us on. And if you're already in the know, you're already part of our podcast community, and you're very much an avid listener, thank you. Thank you for coming back, and I truly appreciate it. All right, so, you know, summer is officially here. Everyone's out and about. Ontario is in stage three. So I hope that you all, you know, had a great weekend for the folks here in Toronto and the GTA you know, I hope you didn't have to wait in a long line, you know, trying to hit up the patio or, you know, indulge in some indoor dining. But um, it, it feels really interesting to have things back to some sort of normal. It's it's so interesting. It's like, yes, I'm happy, but I'm like, oh, am I ready for this? Am I ready for this? But nonetheless, I had a wonderful weekend. Um, I went to the Museum of Illusions for the first time and it was really cool and it was just nice to be out going, being indoors in a museum, enjoying the exhibitions and stuff. So that was really cool. But yeah, I hope you guys are, you know, having a wonderful week. You know, I hope you're enjoying the season, you're indulging in things and activities and just having a wonderful time and, you know, living it up. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get into our clue in segment for this episode. Okay, so for our clue in segment this week, I feel like I'm going to keep it brief this week. I'm going to I'm going to keep it brief because you know what? I'm really excited about our main segment and the story that, you know, our guest is going to share and you know, I just want to get right to it. But um <laughs> the first thing that I want you all to clue into is that the But What Do I Know podcast is now streaming live on Divergent Media every Wednesday at 3. So, yes, um if you are not, you know, connected with us on the But What Do I Know Instagram page, which is at BWDIK podcast. Make sure you are because you will, you know, get to know updates and announcements that are happening with the podcast. And so, you know, as of a few weeks ago, 
podcast episodes are going to be streamed live on Divergent Radio, which is a New York-based radio station, but they do have a website in which you can stream it anywhere in the world. So no matter what country you're in, you can always use their link to stream it. And of course, they have a local station that is New York-based as well. But yeah, I'm not excited about this. It's really cool. I listened to the first few episodes when they were playing it and I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm here myself on the radio. But um, but yeah, I'm really excited about that. Good things are happening and I just wanted to share that with you all. So if you're in New York and you want to catch that live on radio station, you know, check out their page, Divergent Media Entertainment. It's Divergent Media ENT. Or if you're connected with my Instagram page, I will definitely just repost it when it's live every Wednesday at three. Um, You can also use their website if you want to listen to it. If you miss it, as usual, it'll be on Apple, Spotify, Google, and everywhere else you find your podcast, baby. We got you. (laughs) But yeah, so that's for the podcast now streaming on Divergent Radio. Small steps. We're celebrating small wins, man. I'm really excited about this. And um. I'm grateful. Thank you, Divergent, for reaching out and for, you know, believing in and enjoying my content and, uh, you know, for thinking that it had a place on a radio station. So I'm really grateful. Yeah. All right. Okay. And finally, our song of the week. This song, um, I found out about it a few months ago. For some reason, I wasn't a big fan. And then I played it again recently and I was just jamming and I was enjoying it. And I feel like songs that do that to you are some of the songs that once you're hooked, you're hooked and you just keep playing it over and over again. It's by one of my favorite artists, Masego. Um, I love him. I love Masego. I need a concert. I need a concert in 2022, sir, please. We need a concert. I need to wind my waist and dance to Silver Tongue Devil or Mystery Lady. Please, please, please make this happen. Make it happen. We need it. We need it. But today, our song of the week is Yebo slash Sema by Masego. It's on the Studying Abroad Extended Stay Project. I believe the title is is African. I, I feel like it's African, but I'm not sure if it's South African, if it's a South African language or an East African language. I'm not sure. And I tried to do some Googles on that, but I, I couldn't find a definite answer. But um, it's definitely a vibe. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Masego is one of my favorite artists for a reason. Like the instruments, the saxophone, the like, it's just vibes. When you turn on that track, like you can't listen to that and sit still. You have to move. Like I literally got up and was jamming while that was playing. Then had to put my headset and, you know, get myself situated again. (laughs) Yeah, I hope you all enjoy that tune. You know, use it to get you through the rest of your week. Make sure you check out, you know, the full song and the project Studying Abroad Extended Stay. All right, so it is time for us to get into our main segment. Uh, before we do, I just want to offer that 
this conversation is, you know, um, this podcast is a space for learning, healing, and laughter. And this conversation most definitely will touch on learning and healing. You know, our guest has, you know, gone through some ups and downs, for lack of a better word, and, you know, has just undergone and is still undergoing process of healing. So, you know, I just want to say that, you know, just before we get into it, and just to also say, you know, I guess I'll offer a trigger warning. You know, we do talk about, you know, various toxic relationships in this episode. We do also talk about, you know, anxiety and depression and so on. So I just want to offer that warning before we go any further and we get into this main segment. Yeah, I just felt like this guest just had a really powerful story to share and, um, I'm excited for you all to hear it. You know, I know it's a very solemn one, but I know you definitely have something to take away. So you know what? Let's let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. So for our main segment this week, we are on this theme of healing, love, therapy, self-care. And so today we're going to sort of zero in on the healing aspect and particularly healing from walking away from toxic relationships, whether this be, you know, family, friends, romantic. Um, and I have a very special guest today and her story, you know, is one that sort of leans to the romantic aspect. But I'm sure that parts of her story will definitely be relatable, um, you know, on to, towards other relationships, whether that be friendships or family. Right. So with me today, I have Khadija, who is a mindfulness and meditation teacher. And she's also the founder of Live Collective, which is a community and membership based space that centers on mental health, well-being and healing for black, indigenous and other women of color. So. Khadija, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, Chid. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really glad to be here. Yes, I'm so glad to have you, girl. How are you doing? How is your mental health? Like, how's the week been? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's been a hectic week. It really has. Um, yeah, there's been a lot going on in my, like, working world, like, with my nine to five. Um, I've been drained. <laughs> I've been drained, but... This is actually like uh, a restorative thing for me. And like, I've been looking forward to this. So yeah, this is kind of shifting <laughs> my week and kind of ending it off on a much more pleasant note. <laughs> oh, that's so great to hear. I love that. I really, really love that. So we we sort of I wanted to have a, a conversation centered on, you know, healing and, you know, relationships, especially for, you know, black women and women of color. And so I came across the Live Collective page and, you know, we connected and we obviously, you know, we just talked about, you know, what we wanted to talk about for this episode. And you had such uh, an amazing story that I was like, OK, I want her to sort of share her journey, share her story on the podcast. So, girl, right now I'm going to give you the floor and I just want you to sort of share a little bit about your journey, you know, from, you know, sort of, I guess, the beginning, the middle, the end, however you want to share it. <laughs> go right ahead, girl. It's all you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you again for the warm welcome. Um, my journey. Well, yeah, it's like, where do you begin? You know, um, I've, I've been through, yeah, quite an experience that led me to, 
um, founding this community um, and creating space for healing. Um, if anybody is familiar with my story, then they may know that the Live Collective came about because I needed healing. I needed healing on a deep level. And I wanted to create a space for women like myself to find support um, and heal in community. Um, I know that um, based on my own experience as a Black woman uh, going through depression, anxiety, dealing with uh, mental health challenges, it can be really hard to um, find support. Um, there's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of judgment. Um, that can come about. And my story in particular, um, you know, I experienced quite a bit of that. So I was unfortunately in, um, yeah, a very hurtful relationship for, I think, about seven years. And um, when the relationship began, I was also a new mother. So I was navigating raising a child for the first time while being in a very harmful relationship. And, you know, it quickly eroded my self-esteem, my self-confidence and self-worth. And, you know, before I knew it, um, I found myself in a really dark space. And if anyone listening to this is currently or has um, gone through um, a really heavy bout of depression, then I can tell you I've been there. I think I've been to like the deepest and darkest spaces um, of what depression can offer you. And I genuinely didn't see myself outside of it. I really didn't. Um, you know, I was at points completely sacrificing my self-care, my well-being. Um, from morning to night, I was doing what I needed to do solely to take care of my daughter and putting all of my needs um, to the wayside. And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting though, because as I'm sharing this with you in this moment, I realize um, I don't feel like that person anymore. Um, so I'm actually sort of having to, it's, it's as though I'm having to recall someone else's story and I'm really happy to be able to say that because I'm in a much healthier, um, much more positive space and I've learned to love myself again. But for a very long time, I didn't. Um, when I share my story, I, I often mention that, you know, I, I used to look in the mirror and I really, I really dreaded seeing my own reflection because whenever I saw myself, um, all of the negative thoughts and beliefs that were embedded into myself um, from others, you know, I would, I would hear and I would think those things and, and I would believe them about myself. Um, and those are just the things that I believed myself to be. Um, and, you know, if there was any self-love left, like if, if there was any love for myself left somewhere in there, it genuinely didn't seem like it. And this, this went on for, yeah, maybe like a solid five years of, you know, like progressive, um, just like letting go, just 
letting go of myself. Um, and, you know, I recognize this because I would look back at my life and think, you know, I was never like this. Um, I used to be so social. I used to be so um, enthusiastic and, and hopeful about life. Um, I never had to question my confidence. I never had to question how I felt about myself. There was just like um, love and joy that was just intrinsic to my being. And then, you know, suddenly you, you kind of have a moment where you're like, like, how did I get here? You know, how did I get to this space where I'm avoiding my friends and family where um, like I'm just like horribly antisocial. I can't bear to be in the presence of others. And, and this is because, you know, when you, when you hate yourself, <laughs> when you get to that space of such like self-loathing, you can start to believe that everyone else, well, everyone else must see me the same way that I see myself. And so, you know, I was losing relationships because yeah, I couldn't bear to be around others. Um, and, and as a result, I was sort of just with myself and like with my suffering and somehow, um, you know, despite how, despite how like impossible it seemed to be well again, um, I, I like to believe that there's always a little bit of light somewhere in there, despite how dark it may seem. And, you know, fortunately, I was able to tap into that light and I started to recommit to myself. I think it was about March of 2017 where I sort of declared like, okay, Khadija, you're going to get better. Like, you're not going to give up on yourself. You're just going to keep striving and um, you're going to find yourself again. And, you know... I, I like to envision it as though I was like in the depths of like a physical hole, you know, and as I'm like reaching and climbing out of, of this dark space, um, there were so many things that would sort of like kick me back down. You know, when you're that riddled with like anxiety uh, and fear and depression, it's like, it's like you're in, in a war zone quite literally. And it's like everything around you is a trigger. Um, but I just kept pushing through. And now, uh, you know, in 2021, I look back and it's like, I don't really identify with that person anymore. Um, and I can honestly say that, you know, starting the Live Collective and creating this community um, has definitely contributed to that. Um, and, you know, finding um, like healing modalities and practices and um, just committing to self-love it's, it's, it's really hard. It can be really, really hard, um, depending on what you've, what you've gone through. But I think that depression, um, affects us often in similar ways, you know, like just that lack of, um, hopefulness. Um, you know, I had moments where like, I, I, I can certainly acknowledge I didn't want to be here, but I had to be for my daughter and, you know, I would never give up on her. Um, but, and, you know, it was in that space that I realized, you know, one of the things that I need most is support. And I think had I had the adequate support, you know, at any point along that journey, um, I maybe would have found myself outside of that space a little bit sooner. I maybe would have found the tools to, um, 
to understand what I was experiencing. And, and that's when I, I think it was maybe the summer of 2017 when I thought, why don't I create a space for women like myself, for women who are also suffering or, you know, who are dealing with mental health challenges, um, anxiety, depression, you know, you name it. And who due to like uh, the culture, um, you know, due to their background, due to religion, what have you, um, are, are lacking the support that they need. And yeah, here we are. Um, I, I finally sort of put this initiative into place uh, toward the end of 2019. I really didn't know <laughs> where it was going or what it would become, but I just had this deep desire and passion to um, create a space for women like myself who needed healing. And yeah, now the Live Collective um, is here. And, um, you know, we're like a small but growing community. And it just brings me so much joy to be able to, um, like, share my healing journey with others, because that's really what it's about. So, yeah. <laughs> and this is like what I love about, you know, even like, building the podcast, this platform and the community as well, is that like, this is all about showcasing, you know, the, but what do I know moments? Like, you know, so much about healing. You have been through this, you have gone through this journey. And so, you know, you're able to sort of pass this knowledge on through the work that you do on your live collective to other women who might need that. Right. Right. And so, you know, you know, because I, I just love that because it sort of is on theme with the whole idea of like, it's a sarcastic way of saying, but what do I know? Like, you have been through this. You've lived through this. You like you have firsthand experience. You, you've you been through like, you know, not to get biblical, but you've been through the valley. So, you know, and sure. you've made it. So to sort of <laughs> so to sort of be on the other side right now, it's like, you know, you you kind of came out victorious and it's beautiful to see sort of how you made this. And it's Thank a you. testament to the importance of also having community around you so I kind of want to go back when you were in the situation right back when you're in the relationship what do you like I guess they always say twin um hindsight is 2020 which obviously <laughs> you know but what would you say were some red flags or some signs like this relationship is not serving me and looking back at it now you can say that but you may not have recognized it when you were in it you know what are some signs well <laughs> You know, my case might be a little unique because I can acknowledge that I was aware of every red flag. Um, mm. Like my nature, I'm very, very loving. Um, I, you know, I, I do, <laughs> I do all that I can to avoid harming others. You know, I feel like that is like one of my most defining qualities. I just you know, I want to treat people with love. And, um, you know, in this relationship, it was never reciprocal. Um, you know, this person was so extremely selfish. And, you know, but I would say the very first red flag, um, I was at his house and we were cooking together. And um, I was talking to him while we were cooking. And then we were making a gumbo. Um, so we had decided to like find a gumbo recipe. We were in the kitchen, like whipping it up. And as I'm talking to him, I'm, sh I'm shaking some spices into the pot. And I was, I was a, um, a jar of parsley 
And without realizing, I had actually twisted off the entire cap as opposed to like lifting the flap to just shake from the little like shaker holes. And I ended up dumping almost the whole (laughs) container of parsley into the gumbo. And then I had a moment like, oh, shit. (laughs) What do I do? And then I thought, oh, okay, I'll just like scoop out the majority of the parsley. I may now have wasted like a container's worth of parsley, but this gumbo doesn't need <laughs> this gumbo doesn't need a container's worth of parsley. And um, he said, "No, no, no, just stir it all in." And I was like, "No, why would I do that? It's going to be bitter, and it's like it's just going <laughs> to like that's not a wise choice." I'm like, "I'll just, you know, I just I was like, no, no, it's not a problem. I'll just scoop it out, no problem at all." And he was like, "No, just stir it in." And I was like. But it's not going to taste good mm. at all. Why would you do that? And he was like, why do you talk back so much? And I was like, mm. I think I just like dropped the spoon in the pot. Um, I went in the room, grabbed my coat, and I walked outside. Like there was no, I had no response. I just grabbed my coat and I walked outside and I got maybe a few meters away from the house. And then something just told me to stop and to talk to him and maybe it was like my Mm. like haste like my the haste with which I left it it didn't feel like my nature it was like you know you don't just walk away from from that like maybe you can create an opportunity for understanding and I turned around and I I sometimes think to myself like maybe if I had just kept walking that day Um, but that always, that has always, that had always stuck out for me as like the first red flag. And what I can say is, you know, from there, there were many more, (laughs) um, many more moments, um, similar to, and actually far worse than that. Um, and you know, I didn't, I didn't have the strength to, um, to accept this at the time, but I know now that I don't deserve to be mistreated, that nobody deserves to be mistreated. Um, mm. But unfortunately, mm. when we seek someone else's validation, um, then, you know, and, and I can speak to women in particular, um, just because, you know, I, I think we're all familiar with the dynamic of, of women being in, um, you know, abusive relationships. And my experience mm-hmm. was that, you know, when you're seeking the validation of your partner, um, it can have you in a relationship that you don't deserve to be in for a very, very long time. And so despite the ways that I was being mistreated, despite, you know, all of the horrible things that I endured, um, I stuck around because, you know, he had deteriorated my self-worth and I felt that only he could make me feel worthy again. That if he, you know, sort of <laughs> changed his view of me, if he offered me some validation, then it would feel like finally, you know, finally I am now worthy. And, mm. um, you know, there, there were so many red flags. There were so many, um, there was never a moment where I had to question whether or not the way I was being treated was right or wrong. I knew that it was wrong. But in my case, um, I needed that validation for a very long time. And, you know, I'm just so grateful that I'm just so grateful that I woke up. 
So you raised a few points there. Um, the first one was, you know, the idea of validation, um, your self-worth sort of gradually deteriorating and diminishing. Um, and by that time, do you think it was even, you know, love or infatuation so much as it could have been, you know, like codependency because you've become dependent on this person for validation and maybe you're just so used to like your life had merged at that point that it's like well good or bad I have to make this work sort of thing like was that sort of what it was um definitely not love <laughs> I can say that with certainty that definitely was not love um in terms of codependency um you know uh I'm not I'm not like a psychologist, um, but I'm pretty certain that I was dealing with like narcissistic abuse. And I, I'm, I'm sure I've read somewhere that the relationship between a narcissist and their, their victims, I don't like to um, identify with that label. I don't um, like to take on the label of a victim. However, from what I've read, um, it's often considered a codependent relationship because the narcissist... Um, needs this you know this victim as as their supply their supply of like um praise and like you know just emotional like they're they're like emotional manipulators and so when they feel that they can um affect you um they feel good about themselves mm. you know they have power over you in doing so and so i think it is mm -hmm. definitely codependent in that regard because i don't feel that he needed me in the ways that you know um we need one another in terms of like support. I think that he needed me right. to like stroke his ego and he needed somebody to manipulate and to control and to have power over. And then in my case, um, I needed his validation because, you know, you're telling me that I'm not worthy. Um, you know, it's, as I say these things, I think to myself, are you God? Like I'm, I'm in such a healthier space now that it's like, how could I ever have sought another human being's validation? But at the time I did, at the time, <laughs> And I can honestly laugh about it. And yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, I'm just sitting here thinking like, damn, what a an unhealthy but symbiotic relationship. You know Absolutely. what I mean? It's like, it was unhealthy, but somehow right. it was working. Like, you no, know, enough I mean, to sort of. I, I can't say that it worked, you know, um, I just think that, but I do think that everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, even like, God, the, the, the most toxic relationships, you know, the, the hardest paths on our journey, I believe that they are all um, a part of our path. And, you know, had I not gone through that experience, um, I wouldn't have the understanding that I have around mental health, around depression, around abuse, um, you know, around, um, the needs, um, related to mental health in the black community and, you know, how much more work there is to be done to like eradicate the stigma, you know? And so I truly believe that, um, you know, we go through things, we endure things um, to gain understanding and like to be able to help one another. And now I have a clearer lens. And so, you know, I can be um, 
um, a space of like support and understanding for the next black woman, for the next woman of color, for the next human being, regardless, who is going through a similar circumstance, you know, and that understanding that I needed, that I didn't receive, um, I can offer that to someone else, you know, so um, the relationship didn't work but it definitely offered me some valuable lessons. Um, and it also it also taught me that I can learn to love myself again. And I'm just, and then I can I can share that with others. I can say, you know, like it certainly can get better. I'm telling you, like I I don't identify with that experience. I don't identify with that girl who was hurting so badly. I don't, I just, I look at her now and I think like, um, you know, you beautiful, wonderful, um, young woman, like you beautiful, wonderful soul, like you, you didn't deserve that. Um, and you were loved despite the fact that you didn't feel you were loved. You were. And, um, I can also acknowledge that I am her, you know, she has evolved, But when I think about these stories, like there was a point when recalling them would bring up all of those feelings, you know, and it was it was hard to talk about. And it's just amazing. It's really amazing the things that we can heal from. And as you said, like, you know, come out victorious through. So, yeah, I'm I'm so grateful, not grateful (laughs) in in some ways. Maybe I am slightly grateful for what I experienced, because, again, like. Um, look what it led me toward. It led me toward creating a space for other women to heal. Um, it led me toward like pursuing um, my certification to become a meditation teacher and now a breathwork guide. And, you know, I acknowledge every day, like every time I'm um, holding a, a meditation or, or a breathwork class or, you know, um, whatever it might be, like I'm not doing this just because um, I know that meditation is beneficial or because, you know, I want to um, create a future for myself. Like it's it's very uniquely rooted in my experience of of of, of depression, <laughs> of anxiety. Um, it's these are my healing tools. These are my healing tools. And, you know, even more specifically, like it's so rooted in my unique experience as a black woman. And so these are my healing tools and now I'm able to share them with others. So, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're so grateful because I feel like those are so important to share. And I think like meditation is something that I'm even I'm gradually getting into these days as well, because it's definitely helped get me through some moments in COVID as well. And I feel like at first when I started, I was like, I'm having a really hard time, like quiet in my mind and my mm-hmm. thoughts. But the more that you do it, it's such a powerful tool. So Thank you. And I'm thankful that, you know, you're able to sort of carry out that work through, you know, yourself, the Live Collective and all that. Thank you. Um, and I want to sort of ask, so when you were in that moment, right, in that mm-hmm. situation, were you able to sort of get support outward? Like, was there, you know, support from friends, support from family? Were other aspects of those relationships sort of toxic as well? And did that feed on itself kind of thing? Or was were you alone because I feel like that's a really big part of of being able to maneuver those situations is do I have support do I feel alone do I do I feel like I can talk to someone do I feel like I'm going to be judged and someone's going to say well how the hell did you get into the situation you're smarter than this you know like 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, this is a really important part of my story, I think. And I try to be mindful with what I say because I feel that people can misinterpret. And I also feel that, you know, um, people, you know, will take, you know, your experience and, you know, your story and, and where they find themselves in it. And they'll, they'll take it as blame, you know, and as though someone is pointing the finger at them. And I feel no desire to do that. Um, it's, it's simply um, an acknowledgement that, you know, I think within our community, like within the black community, I, I grew up in um, like a Jamaican household. My parents are, um, are Jamaican. And um, I think, you know, whether you're from the Caribbean or um, like yourself <laughs> from a Nigerian background, uh, an African background, I think that um, there, and then these are the words that I choose to use. I, I don't believe there is um, much space for us to be unwell when it comes to our mental health and our emotional health. Um, I think there may be some individuals who are more fortunate in that regard. I think there are some individuals who are more fortunate and who may have the support and understanding that they need from friends and family. Um, in my situation, um, there wasn't, there wasn't enough support. There certainly wasn't the support that I needed. And I think it's due to a lack of understanding. Um, I love my mother dearly. Um, but I do recall, uh, an instance where I was, and I, unfortunately due to the relationship that we had growing up, you know, my mom was, um, in many ways, a single mother. And, you know, I don't think she had the capacity to offer us the emotional support that we needed because, you know, she just had so much responsibility. There was so much stress involved in raising three kids nearly single-handedly. And so uh, she didn't become a mother that I could seek emotional support from. But, um, you know, in the midst of all of this um, darkness that I was consumed by, I tried to connect with my mother and share what I was going through. And, you know, her response was sort of, um, um, I would say that it caused me to feel like something was wrong with me. Um, you know, I think that, I think that the underlying perception amongst the people in my life was, was that, that something was wrong with me. Um, as much as I, as much as I think they could recognize, um, sort of like what led me <laughs> to that place. Um, there was still a lack of compassion, uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, I, so I have a little bit of a unique experience in that I, I grew up in Toronto community housing. I grew up in a predominantly black community. Um, but my mother put me in French immersion in the fourth grade. And from the fourth grade onward, I was surrounded by white people. Um, I was always like, the only black girl in my classes. I was, I believe in high school, I was like one of maybe 10 black students in my school. I always had this, um, what is the word? Not dichotomy, but you know, it's like there was my home life with my black family and my black friends. And then, you know, there was my school life and then the friends that, that were white. And, you know, mm. that's still sort of my reality. And, um, you know, when I was in this space, I could not help but notice the different responses from my, my white friends 
in comparison to like my black family and friends. Um, with my white friends, they've always been like understanding, patient and willing to hold space. And, you know, again, I'm being very mindful because again, I don't want to cast any type of judgment. And it's not to say that in any shape or form that black people are less compassionate or less supportive. Um, however, I, I think that there, there is still a lot of work to be done in our communities. Um, and, mm -hmm. and as a result, so many of us are suffering in silence and, you know, the, the few attempts that I did make to communicate, you know, my struggles based on the way that it was received, you know, that that's where I wound up. I wound up internalizing what I was going through. And to be honest, you, you simply can't, we do need each other. We need support. We're here to support and love one, one another. Um, and so, you know, fortunately I did, um, seek out a therapist. Um, I've been deliberate about finding a black therapist, specifically a black female therapist. Um, and that has been like such a saving grace for me. Um, but you know, as much as I can acknowledge um, the lack of understanding, I would say, within my community. Um, mm. You know, I'm, I'm committing to showing up as a space of support for the women who may not have it and committing to creating that community, you know? I feel like a lot of the times you kind of have to like, and it's so unfortunate, it's bad, but sometimes you have to really be your... I'm not advocating for this, but sometimes this is what we're forced to do, as, especially as black women, is we, we're forced to be our own healer, our own therapist, our own researcher, our own, like, you're doing a lot of things and trying to heal yourself, whether it be, you know, that you don't have support, you don't have the resources, you don't have the community that you need. So you end up playing and wearing so many hats that it also sort of, I think, stunts or also delays your healing and your journey as well, right? Like you could take like two steps forward and then four steps back because you don't have the right support or the right resources that you need. So, no, I definitely understand and I resonate with that. And I guess that sort of leads me to asking you then, what was the final point where you were like, nah, Khadija, I'm, I need to get out of here. <laughs> like, what was that like? Well, um, there were a few final points. Um, and unfortunately, you know, um, I was drawn back into the relationship because um, I started to I started to feel concerned for his well-being. So mm. uh, in some ways, you know, the table started to turn and, um, you know, I started to see myself outside of the relationship. I started to recognize my worth. And, and then this <laughs> it's at this point that he started to express um love and you know mm. you know wanting a future and and i started to feel um that that i i was i feared abandoning him as crazy as it sounds as crazy <laughs> as many times as he had abandoned me physically and emotionally it was at the the points when i was ready to leave that um he And I genuinely worried, I was genuinely concerned for his well-being. And so, um, but the final, the final straw, I mean, I had already checked out of the relationship. I think for quite a while, I was genuinely there to like maintain him. I, I, I was worried about 
him feeling isolated and, and what could result from that. Um, but like, I think somehow while in, in that harmful relationship, um, I started the Live Collective. I became a meditation teacher. Wow. Um, and so okay. it's like I was, um, it's like I was rooting myself to these healing, healing sources. And so I, I had something that was nourishing me. It was um, healing me. I was evolving. You know, I was like full of light again. And I could see a future in these, in these sources of like love and connection and, and light. And so I no longer felt that I needed, um, that I needed anything from this relationship. And I could see myself outside of it again. Um, and so... I was okay. I was fine. And at this point, I think I was holding on not only to support him, but to see if maybe, you know, maybe he could turn around. And I think, I think we often do that in these kinds of relationships, you know, like, um, we invest so much of our time, um, hoping that people will change. And I certainly wouldn't encourage that. Um, I think our time is so valuable. I think, you know, the love that we offer others is so precious and I would not encourage anybody to, to wait. <laughs> I would not encourage anybody to wait for love. And in a lot of ways I was doing that as well. Um, but essentially I had learned to choose myself, you know, somewhere in the midst of that relationship, I learned to choose myself. And, you know, when there was like a final, um, you know, moment of like turmoil, um, I just, I just didn't look back this time. <laughs> I just didn't look back this time. I chose myself. I chose my daughter. And to be quite honest, I had arrived at a point where it's like, you've already lost me. You know, you've already lost me. Mm. Like you, you destroyed me. Um, but I rose, <laughs> like I rose again. And now you're not going to have the opportunity to destroy me again. So to do it again. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, with that final, um, like altercation, if you will. Um, I just, I didn't look back. I was, I was, I was already out the door, you know, and I can't say it was easy. Um, there's been quite a bit of healing as you can imagine, um, after leaving a relationship like that. Um, what have been the steps? Because of course, you know, I, I pray like right now in my heart, I'm like, if there's anyone that listens to this episode and is in a situation, I pray like, you know, like you said, I pray that that person doesn't look back. Like I pray they're able to keep going and, you know, find the strength that they 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 have in them to walk away. Mm -hmm. But then I feel like that's only the beginning of the journey. Right. What comes after also determines then like the outcome. You know what I mean? So I guess I want to say you already had such a great step in the sense that you were in the midst of this, you know, getting into mindfulness, getting into meditation, you also starting the Live Collective. So were there any sort of other steps that you took to sort of get to the point that you are at now? Uh, I would say seeking out a therapist. Um, you know, I was holding, I was internalizing so much. Uh, and, you know, the first therapy session that I had, it was with a young white female um, she may have been mm. younger than myself. Um, and although I didn't feel, um, the level of understanding that I felt I needed, 
Um, and, and to be quite honest, I, I simply felt that I had like unloaded on her. Um, but then I also was like, you know, I would, I would share certain things with her and then I was able to like reflect in that moment and like understand those decisions that I made and like the steps that I need to take to, to better my, my circumstances. And I kind of felt like I was, um, like I was my therapist in that moment, but despite the fact that I didn't really find much support from her, or at least the support that I thought I would have received from that session, I felt such a weight lifted because I had finally shared things that I was carrying, um, carrying for so long. And, and then I realized like there is, there is a lot of benefit to therapy because you do need that like impartial, um, and like educated, um, source of understanding, you know? And so I was, I was preparing to maybe like put therapy aside. I wasn't certain if it was for me, but I couldn't help but acknowledge that how light I felt genuinely after I left her office. And so um, I was a little bit back and forth, you know, like it took me a while before I had booked another therapy session. Um, but then I, I found a therapist and, and she was wonderful. Um, a young black woman based in Toronto. And um, yeah, I realized uh, that I needed, I needed, so, you know, we've spoken about validation in this conversation and I, I still needed validation, um, but the validation that I needed this time around was for somebody to tell me that um, I wasn't flawed, that, you know, um, it wasn't my fault that I had experienced the things that I had experienced. And these are the kind of things that I got from my therapist, you know. Um, and so, you know, the mindfulness, the meditation, um, you know, creating this space, all of this has been immensely helpful. Um, but the other piece to it, I would say has been therapy, um, because I wasn't getting that validation anywhere else. Um, and as much as I can tell myself, like Khadija, you're worthy, um, you know, you're deserving, um, you're loving, you have so much to offer the world. Um, when somebody has told you otherwise repeatedly for a very extended period of time, um, I think you really need reassurance, you know, because I think in a lot of ways we are each other's mirror and it's been so helpful to have somebody like mirror back to me, um, my true worth. And I think I've gotten that most, um, through my therapy session. So I'm still, uh, I have a new therapist right now. Uh, she's, she's the best. <laughs> I only wish, uh, I could afford to see her <laughs> more often, but, um, yeah. Therapy has been um, a really, really critical tool in my healing journey, for sure. So I guess another critical tool we can sort of talk about in addition to, you know, therapy is also community. And I feel like that's such an important tool that can help to support and elevate, you know, women on their on their healing journey as well. And of course, this is something that Live Collective provides. So, you know, I just want to ask you, you know, what has this process of building and developing the programs, um, you know, at Live Collective and just the overall organization, like what has that process been like for you? You know, has it been sort of a, I don't want to use the term escapism, but has it sort of been this process of you just, you know, impacting and pouring and, you know, sort of sharing your journey with other women? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it, it is honestly... 
um, like the manifestation of um, my need for healing. And I feel, you know, if I can acknowledge um, the ways that my struggles were um, impacted by, you know, um, my race, um, you know, by my gender, um, then I know that I'm not alone in this struggle. And so I felt um, if I'm going to embark on this healing journey, then how could I not, you know, take others along with me? And so it really began, I think, uh, around like summer 2017, I was working as a receptionist um, and just feeling that um, there was like a burning desire inside of me to do something um, that would, would make an impact. I just couldn't identify what it was. And, you know, I started, I, I had the time because of the, the job that I had to sort of like reflect on what I wanted to do. And I was just kind of throwing ideas out there. And then I landed on like, I want to create a healing space for black women. And then I was just like, ding, ding, ding. That's it. That's it. That's what this feeling is inside of me. Um, at the time I, I called it for her and it was, it was like a little like, um, note in my in my phone like in a notepad and I was just like writing out the themes and the things that I wanted to cover and and you know the type of events that we would carry out but I didn't have the confidence and so I wanted to connect this back to what you said a little a little while ago about you know like but what do I know you know and um I was I was sharing with people this intention that I had to create this space but I kept saying to them but like but who am I who am I to create a space for black women to heal and then they would say to me, but, but who better? They would say to me, but who better than a black woman who's on a healing journey? <laughs> um, but I, I had, yeah, but I had, I was just so riddled with self-doubt. And I would say that was one of the biggest impacts of, of, you know, this harmful relationship was that I doubted myself. Um, it was so crippling, like the slightest things, Chid, you wouldn't believe. Um, it's as though every decision that I was about to make down to like little finite details of my day of, you know, what I'm going to eat, of what I'm going to wear, um, of, of something that I said to someone, I would criticize myself. Oh, you shouldn't have wore that. Like that wasn't the right thing to say. Um, I never felt assured in anything that I did. I, I was so, so, so critical of myself. And so for me to to find the confidence, to put myself out there, to create like an online space, to connect with people. And, you know, this, this, this initiative, it involves, it involves like so much collaboration. And so I thought to myself, I simply can't, I simply can't because, you know, I'm going to have that again, that mirror uh, talking about that mirror, like I'm going to have that self image mirrored back to me. Like, who is this girl? She's so flawed. What does she know? She knows nothing. She's a mess, you know? And, and so I, I held back. I held back for a long time until, you know, and when you're, when you're passionate about something, when I, I think when something is placed on your heart, um, doesn't go away. And so it took me maybe two years, but I was finally like, okay, I'm just going to take that leap and make something happen. So um, I, it started out as just, you know, an Instagram page. I think I did title it for her. Um, and I was sharing photos of like black women, um, um, like nurturing themselves and just like beautiful, inspirational, you know, quotes and things of that nature. 
Um, and then I started to question um, the name that I had given it. And then I was on the subway train one day and I don't know, the name, the Live Collective just popped into my mind. My daughter's middle name is Liv. And in that moment, I thought um, so much of my motivation to heal myself is based in, um, you know, showing my daughter that she is worthy, you know, by declaring that I'm worthy and by demonstrating that and, and also, you know, creating a new narrative so that when my daughter, um, as she continues to grow, you know, she sees black women, um, loving themselves and, and taking care of themselves. And, and, you know, I want to contribute to, to changing that narrative because there are so many, um, so many narratives about black women in this world that I feel are entirely untrue. And, you know, there's only so much we can do <laughs> about the way people see us, you know, on a personal level, but also like on a, on a community level or on a collective level. But what we can do is like, um, shield ourselves <laughs> by affirming to ourselves and, and by treating ourselves the way that we know we deserve to be treated. And so, um, in, in some ways it's sort of named after my daughter because, um, you know, I want to heal myself so I can be the person and live the life that I would want my daughter to live. And, you know, that is a life full of love, um, and based in like self-love, I would say more than anything else. So yeah, 2019, um, I just started, um, allowing that like Instagram platform to grow. and then. Um, so before having my daughter, um, I was very active. Uh, I used to work out five to six days a week. I did a lot of hot yoga. Um, it was always my life. And when I got involved uh, in this relationship, I was really deterred from doing those, those types of things and from taking care of myself in that way. And since leaving that relationship, I've, I've decided to let me start to revisit those things that I once loved and that were once such an important part of my life. And I stumbled upon uh, Shantea, who is like our in-house Kundalini yoga instructor. And she was offering a class downtown Toronto and I decided to check it out. And uh, it was such a wonderful experience, um, such a wonderful experience. And when I got home that night, I was like, what is this feeling? Um, I was like, this is like bliss. This is like peace, something that I haven't felt in, in years. And so um, I thought, wow, like, why not connect with her and see if we can, can offer this bliss <laughs> and this peace um, to other women? And so I reached out and it just so happens that um, she was, she had always wanted to create spaces for Black women and for Black people as well. Uh, and so you know, I was then inspired to um, sort of embark and then sort of like change the the trajectory of where the Live Collective could be. And I, I wanted to create space for wellness experiences like uh, yoga and, and meditation. You know, um, as I'm listening to you say that, I bet that the Live Collective has just sort of been, you know, such a beautiful virtual space for, for women. Um, you know, I'm just thinking like, you know, we're in a pandemic. Yes, you know, we're starting to see that the light at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, it's been a really hard time for a lot of people. And there may be women who are going through, you know, 
various levels of unhealthy relationships who may not be able to leave because, you know, maybe you're dependent on that person for financial support or for emotional support or, you know, your your circumstances in the pandemic just don't allow you to be able to get up and say, you know what, I have my strength today. I'm going to leave, you know? So I just want to say, you know, thank you. Thank you to you, your team at the Live Collective and for the work that you all are doing, because I know it's definitely important um, and it's definitely, you know, helped and played a role uh, for women during this time. But yeah, you know, I just I just really want to thank you again for coming on and, you know, sharing your story, for just being honest, for being transparent, because, oh, girl, you were very raw and. I appreciate your story. I know the listeners mm-hmm. definitely took something away. So I just want to say, you know, thank you. Thank you again for for sharing. I really appreciate it. All right. So on that note, you know, I know we've been talking about, you know, very heavy topics. You know, we've sort of been talking about healing and all that stuff. But we're going to switch the energy up a little bit. This is the Boa Do I Know podcast. So we do have a segment where we want to get to know our guests a little bit better. So Khadija, I'm going to ask you, four questions and without thinking just tell me the answer that comes to mind okay okay i'll do my best (laughs) okay the first question is tattoos or piercings and why (laughs) tattoos um tattoos they're just so symbolic you know there's so much meaning behind them um and just something that you can really treasure i actually have quite a few myself so yeah i'm definitely leading um more to tattoos all right. Okay. Okay. Um, next question. What personality trait of yours gets you in trouble the most? Hmm. <laughs> oh, what gets me in trouble the most? Oh, I want to say maybe being free spirited. Um, like I'm a very like, hmm. see, I like sense that about you. I do type of person. Um, I'm kind of like down for whatever. Um, yeah, and that's probably gotten me <laughs> to some situations that I could have avoided. Um, I'm like, I'm a very yes type of person. Like, I'm just here to experience like the full <laughs> experience that life has to offer. And I think that can come with some highs and some lows and some danger. So, but I think <laughs> despite like those um crazy maybe experiences that I've gotten myself into it hasn't really hindered my nature I'm still like a a little bit of like living life on the edge type of person but it makes life fun although like you know I'm not (laughs) advising anyone (laughs) to take certain for sure for sure we're not not (laughs) encouraging anyone yeah um okay next question what is your go-to dance move once you hit the dance floor my go-to dance move I like to whine Mm, uh, like, okay okay I already saw that yeah. coming <laughs> um I'd like to whine and now my daughter has sort of picked that up it's it's kind of embarrassing but like she's like a little twerk queen <laughs> um I, to be honest I'm not even sure that she got it from me I don't know because yeah she's in another world all of her own but um my dad when I was growing up, my dad used to blast reggae music all day. And so if anybody happens to be listening to this who knows me, like if you were like within a few meters of my house, you could even be like down the laneway. You could hear my dad blasting reggae music every single day. So 
I always joke that like my house was like a club. So I would just be in my room like dutty whining and <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> literally <laughs> oh, it was man. ridiculous until my mom came home and then the volume was like lowered. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just like to whine. Okay. And for our final question, what's the most beautiful place you've ever been to? I have to think about that one, unfortunately. Um, like, I feel like I don't get out enough. Well, I'm going to say Cuba. Uh, I went to Cuba in 2011, and but it, it wasn't beautiful in, in so much as like, you know, um, the scenery and the environment, although it was, it was wonderful to move out of like, um, you know, this, uh, like growing up, being in downtown Toronto, um, you know, just surrounded by like the fast paced life buildings, the cars, um, you know, Cuba provided like an escape from that, but it was really beautiful because of the people. Um, the people were so full of joy despite, um, like despite the poverty, um, that I think was somewhat evident despite the hardship. I, I had yet to encounter people who were as happy or as full of life, um, as the Cuban people. So I was really, really touched and really moved um, by that trip. Uh, when I left, I was like, I'm gonna live in P Cuba permanently. I was really like, I was really serious about that. It probably isn't gonna happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cuban people are, um, they're wonderful people. Yeah. All right, those are all the questions I had for you. Thanks Khadija for coming on the show again. Before I let you go, can you just, you know, let the listeners know where and how they can connect with you and or the Lyft Collective? Go ahead. Sure. You can follow me personally on IG at sheisdija. Uh, so it's she is and then Deja, D-I-J-A, which is sort of like a shortened version of my name. Um, I don't do a lot <laughs> on my personal page, but I'd much rather direct you toward, like if you are interested in connecting me on a, with, um, with me on a personal level, but I'd much rather direct you toward the Live Collective. So um, you can follow us on Instagram at the live.co. So it's at the liv.co, C-O. Um, you can check out our website, thelivecollective.org. Um, we started a membership community in February of this year. Um, I just wanted to create a, an affordable and accessible way for Black women and women of color uh, to connect so um, we offer like sliding scale pricing and it gives women um, access to all of our weekly and monthly offerings and events. So um, yeah, it's a small but growing community. Um, uh, yeah, and I'm just really grateful that it exists and that, um, yeah, women are, are, are benefiting from it and uh, I'm just grateful for all the support we've received thus far. Um, yeah, I think I think that's it. <laughs> All right, we're at the end of our conversation. Thank you, thank you for coming on this episode once again, Khadija, and just thank you for such an amazing, amazing conversation. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a pleasure. And yeah, I'd love to return if um, the opportunity arises, but yeah, thank you so much, Chip. Oh, it will. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right, with that, we are at the end of this episode. 
Thank you, Khadija, for coming on and for being transparent, honest, and just open with your story. I appreciate it. And I know the listeners definitely took something away from your story. So I appreciate you. And to the listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Khadija and that you took something away. Don't forget to share this podcast episode with someone you feel, you know, needs to hear it. We'll enjoy the episode, you know, make sure you share it. And if you're sharing it on social media, don't forget to tag the podcast at BWDIK podcast. Of course, definitely connect with us on that page as well for, you know, questions or feedback on this episode. If there was something that, you know, resonated with you, I want to know. So, you know, feel free to DM or put a comment in any of the posts that'll go up on the Instagram page or Twitter page about this episode. All right. So stay well, take care of yourself until the next episode. Bye for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.